Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. Hey, have you ever asked yourself, what does the Thanksgiving holiday really mean to you? In your mind, do you see the event as a beautiful time of year when family comes together to share a meal, a hug, share some stories? Or do you cringe at the idea of spending time with family that triggers you and causes you stress? Well, maybe it's both, or maybe it's neither. But the one thing I do know is that each person's Thanksgiving is unique for many different reasons. Today's show is dedicated to building strong relationships with friends and family while feeling less stress and using less effort. We're talking turkey today, Tame the Turkey, that is. Today's episode is actually a how-to show about family gathering for the holidays. You're listening to Being a Leader, Live with Brenda Baird, a radio show about leadership. Whether you're a first-time manager or a seasoned executive, this show will give you thinking about the essential skills a leader must master. I'm your host, Brenda Baird, and each episode of Being a Leader draws on my 35 years of experience in building teams and leading people to work together. My show offers practical advice, personal coaching, and creative new ways of thinking about common leadership challenges. Now, you may be thinking, what do family matters have to do with leadership? Well, as my listeners can tell you, I feel that we are often the leader by default or by example, and we certainly are the leader of our own life. And that includes being a leader with our family, friends, and at work. The skill of developing your emotional intelligence to handle tough, stressful situations apply at home as well as in the workplace. It's that same self-management no matter where you are or whom you're interacting with. Now, this can be a heavy issue for some people, so to lighten it up, I started a hashtag last week on Twitter that was pound sign, tame the turkey, and I asked listeners to share some of their funny stories of Thanksgiving days gone by, so cue the laughter. (laughs) And I also asked listeners to send me stories via email if that was easier, so I have to say, I received a few, and you guys are absolutely hilarious. So tonight, I'm going to share a few of my favorites, and we're going to talk about a few tips for reducing your stress at the holidays, managing your thoughts about the past, and how to look at your family from a different perspective. You know, along with doing this radio show, I'm a certified professional coach and energy leadership master practitioner. My coaching practice serves organizations, emerging talent, managers, teams, and individuals. So please check out my website, BrindaBairdCoaching.com, for a complete list of my services. Now, if you want to share your holiday story tonight or you need a quick coaching session to handle some challenging family member, just give me a call. The number is 646-716-9397 one to get in the queue. Now, if you're not able to call, you can send your questions to Brenda at BrendaBairdCoaching.com. All right, then. Grab your favorite beverage, tune up the volume, and let's start with a funny Thanksgiving story. This story comes from Shirley, 
in Illinois. And Shirley wrote to me and said, my daughter-in-law wanted to bring a family dish to our Thanksgiving dinner. She asked for a recipe and I gladly gave it to her. The day before the holiday, she came to my house and she was visibly upset. When I asked her what was wrong, she said she was unable to make the dish. I said, why? And she answered, because our local store doesn't carry yields. And the recipe calls for yields, eight cups. I laughed loud. The yield, that, the yield means the number of cups the recipe makes. It's not an ingredient. So cue the laughter. Bless her heart. She has never lived that down. <laughs> Shirley, thank you so much for that story. You know, cooking for the holidays can be can be a big job, especially when we're trying to find yields, right? <laughs> That's really funny. So according to a survey conducted by Mental Health America, the average American spends about 42 hours a year on holiday activities. That's one full work week spent shopping, preparing food, buying gifts, attending holiday parties, and traveling from place to place. And often these extra activities have to just get squeezed into what's already a very busy schedule. Now, this survey didn't take into account that about all the time wasted uh, worrying and lamenting about attending those events. You know, holiday stress can take many forms. However, the survey goes on to say that money concerns and chaotic schedules are really two of the top sources of holiday stress. The survey reports women feeling slightly more stressed than men and parents in general feel more stressed than any other group in the survey. So this year, let's put some light on the topic of holiday stress and shift our perspectives to take the pressure off. Together, we will put stress in its place because honestly, it's not about the holidays. The holidays just bring it to the front of mind. So here's how we're going to break this down. Let's understand stress, then understand why we experience it, and we'll finish up with some simple ways we can mitigate the stress of holidays and family gatherings. <clears throat> okay, stress. Stress is a thought or a feeling experienced when a person perceives that the demands exceed their personal or social resources, meaning the individual is able to mobilize the things they need in order to manage the situation. In short, it means this is what we feel when we think we have lost control of events. Now, this, of course, is my definition. I also recognize that my definition does not include that there is an intertwined fight or flight instinctive stress response to unexpected events. It is very reasonable to say that a stress response is therefore part instinct and partly how we think. Stress research has shown us that when humans experience a shock or a perceived threat, we release hormones. It helps us to survive. These hormones help us fuel to run faster and fight harder. And this was necessary when we were running away from large animals and experiencing the real dangers of caveman life. Now, once these hormones actually release, they increase our heart. 
and our blood pressure, we start delivering more oxygen and blood sugar to our large muscles. The hormones increase our sweating in an effort to cool these muscles and to help them stay efficient. And the body diverts blood away from this to the core of its body, which is used to reduce blood loss if we were to get cut or injured. And additionally, these hormones focus our attention on the threat to the exclusion of everything else. All of this significantly improves our ability to survive life-threatening events. But mobilization of the body for survival also has negative consequences. In this heightened state, we are excitable, anxious, jumpy, and irritable. This actually reduces our ability to work effectively with other people. With our body trembling and a pounding heart, we can find it difficult to execute precise controlled skills. The intensity of our focus on survival interferes with our ability to make fine judgments by drawing information from many sources. And we find ourselves more accident prone and less able to make good decisions. In modern life and in our general working environments, there are very few situations where this stress response is actually useful. Now, unless, of course, you walk in front of a bus, in which case it's quite critical that you have a fight or flight stress response. But in, in fact, most situations in our environment really benefit from having a calm, rational, controlled, and socially sensitive approach. In the short term, we need to keep this fight or flight response under control to be effective in our jobs and in social settings. And in the long term, we need to keep it under control to avoid problems of poor health and burnout. Now, there's a reason why many people equate the holidays with family strife. When you have a group of people in a small area and everyone is expecting to have a great time, it is almost a setup for arguments. With so much emotion and expectation, the holidays are not the best time to work things out. If old family baggage surfaces, plan to talk after the festivities wind down. It's better to address some of those emotional issues in a more relaxed, private setting. Now, all of us get stressed from time to time, and tonight we're going to take a look at the skills that will help you to reduce your stress and relax when you're under pressure, and to cope when there's nothing you can do about the situation. Quite often, you know, the way we feel about a situation comes from our own perception of it. And often that perception is right, but sometimes it isn't. And sometimes we're unreasonably harsh with ourselves, or we can jump to conclusions, the wrong conclusions about motivation. This can cause problems and it actually makes us unhappy and it can lead to us being unfair to others and also to ourselves. Here's an important fact when trying to overcome stress in family members. Every relationship is a direct reflection of how we see ourselves on this one. Every relationship is a direct reflection of how we see ourselves. Either the reflection 
is showing you something positive about yourself or something you can work on. Deepak Chokra calls this the mirror of relationships. And whenever we have a troubled reaction in a relationship issue, the mirror of relationship is showing us what needs healed in ourselves first. This healing occurs by approaching every experience as if in a movie projected from the center of your soul. Thought awareness is a simple exercise that I use that can help you turn this around. Here's how it works. When you go to the movies, you can be deeply moved or excited, but you never really lose sight of the fact that the projected image is just that. It's an image. It's a movie, right? That's what it feels like when you can look at your stressful situation from a thought awareness perspective. Now, human nature is when we become stressed, we naturally do two things. First, we may feel just simply threatened by the situation. Or secondly, we may judge whether our personal capabilities and resources are sufficient to overcome the threat meaning we judge ourselves about whether we are good enough, smart enough, fast enough, all of that. How stressed someone feels depends on how much damage or pain they think the situation can cause them and how far their resources will carry them in meeting the demands of this particular situation. It can also be a remembrance of pain from the past. Perception is key to handling these situations because the situations are not really stressful in their own merit, whether it's an interpretation or an assumption we make up about the situation that drives the level of stress that we feel. As your thought awareness grows, you will lose the need to blame others or to judge things against yourself. Instead, you will actually learn to rejoice the gift of knowing that every moment in your life has a truth to impart and opens the way for more peace, love, compassion, understanding, and freedom from fear. We must first, though, learn to recognize the difference between true and truth. You see, truth exists regardless of the belief. Here's an example. If everyone in this world believed the world was flat, would it be flat? You see, some things are the truth, whether you believe them or not. Quite obviously, sometimes we are right in what we say to ourselves. Some situations may actually be dangerous and may threaten us physically, socially, or in our careers. Fear, stress, and emotion are part of an early warning system that alerts to this threat from these certain situations. Very often, though, we are overly harsh and unjust ourselves in a way that we would never be to a coworker, a friend, or a family member. This, along with other negative thinking, can cause intense stress and unhappiness and can severely undermine our self-confidence. The awareness of who you are, as opposed to what you believe you are, 
or what you have been taught to believe you are is what's called consciousness. And I'll say that again. The awareness of who you are, as opposed to what you believe you are or what you have been taught you are, is called consciousness. In practicing thought awareness, know this. When you think negatively, you're actually fearful of the future. You're putting yourself down. You're criticizing yourself for errors. You doubt your abilities or you have a certain expectation of failure. Negative thinking damages your confidence. It harms your performance. And it sometimes can actually paralyze your mental skills. A major problem with this is that negative thoughts tend to swoop into our consciousness, do their damage, and then flare back out again without us ever really understanding the significant impact it has on our happiness. And since we don't normally challenge these crazy thoughts, they can be completely incorrect and wrong. However, this doesn't diminish their harmful effect. My thought awareness exercise is a process by which you observe your thoughts and become aware of what the message is that's going on in your head right at the moment when those events happen or as you're preparing to do something. One way to become more aware of your thoughts is to observe them from a stream of consciousness you think about when you think about one of these stressful situations. Now, don't suppress any of the thoughts when you're doing this. Instead, just let them run their course while you are observing them. And then get a journal and write them down as they occur. Now, what I'm talking about here is you're getting ready to go uh, to have lunch, say, with a family member. And this family member can trigger you at any, at any time with some random comment that they make. When you think about that encounter with that person, jot down in your journal. Observe your thoughts. Observe what you're saying. Write it down so that you can take a look at that. Determine what's true about the situation. Another more general approach of thought awareness comes from just simply logging stress in a stress diary. You know, keeping a stress diary for one or two weeks, logging all the unpleasant things in your life that cause you stress. This will include negative thoughts and anxieties. It can also include difficult or unpleasant memories or situations that you perceive as negative. And by logging your negative thoughts, for a reasonable period of time, and I think one or two weeks is sufficient there, you can quickly begin to see patterns in your negative thinking. And when you analyze your diary at the end of that period or the other journaling you've done, you should be able to see the most common and most damaging thoughts. Take that pattern and make this a priority. Now, as a professional coach, I actually help people to evaluate these thoughts and feelings while giving them the ability to shift their perspective so they can choose what's best for them. Thought awareness is the first step in the process of managing your negative thoughts because you can only manage thoughts that you are actually aware of. So, for example, one negative thought may be, I am not smart enough. I'm not as smart as my brother or I'm not as smart as my sister. Well, how true is that exactly? Is it really true that you aren't? 
Do you have an education? Did you finish your education? Are you gainfully employed? Are you successful at your job? Are you successful in life? How true is it that you aren't as smart as your siblings? In most cases, when you pull back from the situation and look at it like a movie, you'll quickly be able to see that this negative message of I'm not smart enough is something that you have just made up. And it is a belief now that has come from some negative experience that you've experienced earlier in your life. Now, if you have a question about tonight's topic, or you would like coaching about how to handle a certain stressful holiday event, or maybe a negative thought that you personally have, give me a call to the show. The number is 646-716-9397. And Press one to get in the queue. Don't hang up, and I'll get to the phones off the switchboard, and we'll answer your question on the air. Now, here's another story that comes from Grant in San Diego. (laughs) This one really cracks me up. I was holiday shopping with my mom. Mom was picking through the frozen turkeys at the grocery store for Thanksgiving Day, but couldn't find a turkey large enough for an entire family, for our entire family. She called over the stock boy and asked, do these turkeys get any bigger? And the stock boy with big eyes looked at her and said, ma'am, they're dead. Cue the laughter. (laughs) Oh, man, that is really hilarious. (laughs) No, ma'am, they're dead. (laughs) Okay. Back to dealing with holiday stress and negative thinking. So, Once you've documented your thoughts, now try to challenge the negative thoughts that you've identified through the thought awareness technique. Look at every thought that you wrote down and rationally challenge it. Ask yourself whether the thought is true. Does it stand up to your challenge? As an example, by analyzing your stress diary, you might identify that you have frequently had following thoughts. Feelings of low self-worth. You might challenge those negative thoughts by reminding yourself you deserve more than the negative beliefs you've cloaked yourself in. You are as deserving for success and happiness and love as anyone in the world. Even if you don't feel that way in the moment, accepting this intellectually will help you to change your thoughts when your beliefs try to pull you down. You know, we have a limited number of days on this earth. Ask yourself, do you want to waste one moment feeling bad about yourself and not demanding the best life has to offer you? Do you really want to let others determine how you will live or give away your precious life to fear? Yeah, I don't think so. You know, sometimes we feel less than others because we've messed up in some way, and therefore we view ourselves as worthless. We think we're worthless because we aren't perfect. But anyone who is successful will tell you they reached their success on the stepping stones of failure and screw-ups. I know this is certainly true for me. Mistakes and failure reveal a willingness to take risks and try again. I hear about feelings of low self-worth often from clients who actually worry about their performance on the job. They worry that perhaps their performance will not be good enough. And usually they're comparing themselves to their coworkers. 
So I asked them, you know, do you have the training that a reasonable person would think is needed to do your job and to do it well? Have you planned appropriately? Do you have the information and resources that you need to do your job? And have you cleared the time you need to do your job? Do you have support in place? Have you prepared thoroughly to do your job? Now, if you haven't, you need to do those things quickly. But if you have, then you are well positioned to give the best performance that you can. You know, during the holidays, we may worry a lot about also uh, other people's reactions, or we may worry about other people's behavior. If that's the case, try to take the long view about those incidences that you find stressful. Often, the best thing to do is just to rise above unfair comments or situations. Think about that negative thought that you've had. Challenge it. And write down what your rational response would be to each one of those negative thoughts that come to mind when you're faced with that situation. Now, if you find it difficult to look at your negative thoughts objectively, you may wish to hire a coach to help you, someone who can be non-judgmental and objective to help walk you through the process. Once you can successfully overcome the negative thoughts, those situations, opportunities will open up for you, and you will gain new skills at handling difficult challenges. Make sure that you take the time to identify these opportunities and focus on them as part of your positive thoughts. Now, here's some tools that I've developed that can help manage and counter the stress of negative thinking. You know, thought awareness helps you identify the negative thinking, the unpleasant memories, and the misinterpretation of situations that can interfere with or damage your self-confidence. This will allow you to deal with them. Challenging these negative thoughts allows you to either learn from them or refute them as incorrect. Okay, so now you can then neutralize your negative thoughts and build your self-confidence by finding ways to restate them. You can use this approach to find the new opportunities that are always present to you to some degree, even in a difficult situation. So if you can imagine a piece of paper with three columns, the first one is thought awareness, the second one is your challenge. And the third one is restating the thought in a positive way, in a way that helps you to find opportunities to look at it differently. Now, before we move on to the final segment, which is about changing perspective on challenging family members, let's hear from one more of those funny holiday stories. See here. Oh, okay. <laughs> This story is from Mark in Michigan. Mark says, I read a funny story on the internet about a mom who went to her sister's house for a traditional holiday feast and played a very funny trick. So last year at Thanksgiving, knowing how gullible my sister is, my brother and I decided to play a trick. And we told our sister that mom needed some from the store and asked her if she wouldn't mind going out to get it. You see, mom was in on the trick. 
When my sister left the house, we took the turkey out of the oven, removed the stuffing, inserted a Cornish hen into the turkey, and then restuffed the turkey. We placed the turkey back into the oven. Now, when it was time for dinner, mom asked my sister to pull the turkey out of the oven and remove the stuffing. <laughs> when her serving spoon hit something, she reached in and pulled out a little bird. Cue the laughter. With a look of total shock on her face, my mom said, Kathy, you cooked a, pre- a pregnant bird. My sister started to cry hysterically. It took the entire family almost two hours to convince her it was a joke. We still laugh about it, but my sister has never eaten turkey again. Oh, man, the payback on that is going to be rough. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Oh, you guys. Have you ever heard the saying, fences make for good neighbors? Well, Fences allow you to protect what's valuable to you. And they also allow you to control who and what enters into your space. Setting healthy boundaries helps establish a positive environment for you to live and work. And here's the one thing you and your family or the people you know, they really do have different values, needs, and beliefs about what's right. Their beliefs were created like yours through the experiences of their childhood, the culture they grew up in, the parenting they had, or religion, to name a few. And these differences can lead to conflict, resentment, anger, anxiety, and stress. I think many of us have often said this before about our siblings, particularly. We grew up in the same household, yet we think so differently. Well, the truth of the matter is that we couldn't have had exactly the same experiences. We are different people. And the truth is there are differences between us. Example is like if your family likes last-minute planning, but you like to plan ahead and have some details organized and finished and finished them early. You can do things your family's way and end up stressed about it. Or you can recognize what you need to be happy and then respectfully ask for it. Or maybe you have a family member who yells and screams when under stress. Does this behavior upset you? Then you owe it to yourself to say something so that he or she understands the negative impact the behavior is having on you and possibly on others. This is called managing your boundaries. It's an assertive and responsible way to make sure others respect your needs while you respect theirs. And by taking the time to understand and map out your boundaries, you are really taking good care of yourself. Setting boundaries is important to living a happy life, and you deserve to be happy. My main point around boundaries is What it takes is to have good communication skills so that you can learn to express your feelings at an appropriate time and place. It can really make a big difference. So here are a few tips that I think are important to put into place 
before we actually get into the holiday season, you know, we're we're a couple weeks out yet from actually celebrating Thanksgiving, and this gives you plenty of time to put a few of these things in practice and sort of get your mind straight around coming together with family where there is typically uh, tension or arguments or just overall just not quite getting along. The first one is to meditate. Just take a few minutes of, of this every day can really help ease anxiety. Research suggests that daily meditation actually alters the brain neural pathways, making you more resilient to stress. It's quite simple to do. It doesn't take anything more than sitting straight with both feet on the floor, close your eyes and focus your attention on something you're reciting. You can say it out loud or you can say it say it silently to yourself, a positive message such as, I feel at peace or I love myself. Uh, some people will use it for a time of prayer where they feel thankful or grateful for their lives, uh, use it as a point of worship. And as you're doing this, if distracting thoughts come in, just refocus your mind on the message that you're reciting, acknowledge that the thought is there, and then let it float by like a cloud. You'll be surprised how much more peaceful you are and relaxed you are if you could practice a daily meditation time. The second thing is to breathe deeply. Um, this can be done anywhere. Just take a five minute break and focus on your breathing. Sit up straight, close your eyes, and with the hand on your belly, Slowly inhale through your nose, feeling the breath start in your abdomen and work its way all the way up to the top of your head. And then reverse the process as you exhale through your mouth. Do this at least 10 times. When you're finished, ask yourself if you still feel anxious. If you say no, or that yes, you still feel anxious, do it 10 more times. And continue until you can honestly say that you no longer feel stress or anxiety. You know, another way that you can prepare for the holidays is to just practice being present. This means just slow down when you're with other people. Take five minutes and focus your awareness on the things around you. Use your five senses. Be aware of what's around you. So as you walk up to the house on Thanksgiving Day, notice how the air feels on your face and how your feet feel hitting the ground. And while eating, enjoy the texture and taste of each bite of food. While family is talking, practice active listening. And you may even want to practice this without ever talking. When you spend time in the moment, and focus on your senses, you can't help but feel less tense. Around the holiday times, here's another thing. Reach out. Reach out to your social networks. You know, it's one of the best tools for handling stress. To talk to close friends, preferably face-to-face, -face, or at least on the phone, to just give you a fresh perspective about life, um, while you're staying connected to these strong relationships with people who actually lift you up. It can be really important. 
The next thing is to really tune into your body. Mentally scan your body to get a sense of how stress affects it each day. You can lie on your back or sit with your feet on the floor and start at your toes and work your way up to your scalp, noticing how your body feels when under stress. Simply be aware of the places you feel that you hold stress and then try to loosen them without ever changing anything. For one to two minutes, imagine each deep flowing to that part of the body and repeat this process until you can move through your body, paying close attention to the sensations that you feel and that your body is relaxed. So you may have wondered tonight why I cued the laughter as I have, because laughing out loud is another really great way to prepare yourself to be more relaxed and in a more upbeat mood when you're entering a stressful situation. A good belly laugh doesn't just lighten the load mentally, it lowers your cortisol, your body's stress hormone, it boosts your brain chemicals called endorphins, which absolutely helps with your mood. And when you're in a good mood, you're less likely to enter into some kind of conflict. Here's the other thing. Crank up the tunes, right? Research shows that listening to soothing music can lower your blood pressure, your heart rate, and anxiety. So create a playlist of songs or nature sounds like the ocean, a bubbling brook, or birds chirping, and allow your mind to focus on the different melodies, instruments, or singers in the piece. Now, you can also blow off a little steam by rocking out to more upbeat tunes or singing at the top of your lungs. This happens to be one of my personal favorites. I used to do this before every um, presentation that I would make just to set the stage, just to get my energy up, just to get myself pumped up or whatever it was I was going to do. And the next thing is to get moving. You know, all forms of exercise, I'm probably not Anything you don't already know, yoga, walking can ease depression and anxiety by helping the brain release feel-good chemicals, those endorphins I was talking about, and giving your body a chance to participate and practice dealing with stress. You can go for a quick walk around the block, take the stairs up and down a few flights, or do some stretching exercises, or head rolls and shoulder shrugs. However, most importantly, this isn't exactly the get moving I was thinking about when I was thinking about family gatherings and what do I do when I'm in a family situation and things start to go south. What I really mean by get up and get moving is move to another location in the home. So if you're visiting with someone and things start to go wrong, the comments begin to happen. The triggers begin to happen. Simply get up and go talk to someone else in another part of the house that you haven't spoken to yet. Or go to the bathroom. Excuse yourself and go to the bathroom and do the breathing exercises 10 times until the stress is gone. The important thing about this is don't stay in one place if you feel stressful. This is to happen to my family personally. When I was a really young kid, the family was huge. My mom's sisters and her brother would all come together. And 
the women would work so hard to cook. I mean, they just worked so hard that there was always, I think, a bit of resentment if not all the sisters worked as hard as the other sister when it came to cooking, or maybe they hadn't taken their proper turn at hosting the event. In any case, what would happen after the meal is they would all sit at a table and they would begin to talk. And as time went on, you could just hear the conversations getting more tense and more tense. And the next thing you know, somebody walked away with either really hurt feelings or they were angry. Don't let it go that far. If you start to see that this is happening to you, get up and move. Go to another part of the house or go do your breathing exercises in the bath or simply go for a walk. And the last one here is to be grateful. There's a lot of talk about how being grateful for our lives can actually change our lives. So keep a gratitude journal. Have several of them. Keep one by your bed, one in your car, one at work to help you remember all the things that are good in your life. Being grateful for your blessings cancels out on all negative attitudes and worries. So use these journals to savor good experiences like a child's smile or a sunshine-filled day or your good health. And don't forget to celebrate these accomplishments like mastering a new task or learning a new hobby. Then when you start to feel stressed, Spend a few minutes looking through your notes to remind yourself about what really matters in life. All right. Looks like I have an email that has come in. And this is an email from Betty in Illinois. And she has a Thanksgiving story to share with us. Thanks, Betty. My mom and I look and act Oh, this isn't actually a story. Betty's actually looking for some coaching. Great. Thank you, Betty, for sending this in. My mom and I look and act alike, so much so that people sometimes mistake her as my sister. But she's voting for Trump, and I love attending progressive political rallies. So no one inflames me with righteous indignation like she can. I just don't understand. We are all sitting around the same table, live in the same house, in the same town, eating the same food, celebrating the same event, wearing some ugly sweater, and I have to try to justify my life choices to my parents. Why do these differences come up at Thanksgiving year after year? Even if I don't bring them up, I know they will start the politics conversation. Yeah, this is a tough one, Betty. And this is, I think, quite typical for most families in America. You know, this political season is one reason why I chose this topic for today's show, because I will bet this will be the source of many family feuds this holiday. But it doesn't have to be. If family members have a lot of overlapping characteristics, strangely enough, they may unconsciously have a high desire for uniqueness. So I'm going to say that to you one more time. So you and your mom have a lot of similar characteristics. You actually look alike. You behave alike. You actually have had a lot of similar experiences. You talk about living in the same home, eating the same foods, right? Unconsciously, our psyche actually desires to be unique. And with that behavior, 
oftentimes people will continue to focus on the points that actually make you different. So in this case, uh, your mom is always bringing up your differing political views to show you this is one place that you actually are different. You know, you've mentioned this happens, you know, every year. So I recommend that rather than feeling shocked, and certainly you can feel any way you want, but rather than being shocked that your parents are so unlike you, try instead to marvel at the vibrant genetic diversity that we're all having this opportunity to witness. Meaning, you know, here you are all grown up in the same area, the same beliefs and religion perhaps, and, and yet in that, each of you is made unique and special, and there is diversity in that. And to witness that and be accepting of that without struggle and strife is really something to rejoice about. So take a deep breath, a relaxing breath. Don't attack the person. It's only going to reinforce their position as authority. You know, they are your parents. Um, and they are trying to impart on you their beliefs. So take into account that their view is based on their life experiences. Um, th think about that there could be a probable cause behind why your mom may get angry, and it may be some unexpressed anger that she has. So trying to get you to shift your perspective that there could be another thing behind the thing for why your mom brings it up when she knows it's going to cause a problem. She's looking to possibly show her belief to you, impart her wisdom to you as your mom. And there could actually be some lingering anger behind um, what it is that makes her, you know, do this year after year. So acknowledge your difference, right? So instead of getting mad at her, just acknowledge the difference if possible and express back to her the true reason that you came to her home today to celebrate Thanksgiving. I'll bet the reason that you go there is because both love each other very much. So just try to shift your perspective, acknowledge the differences, express why the purpose for why you are there today, and hopefully that can diffuse some of the anger. And you may want, before the Thanksgiving holiday, you may want to pick up a copy of a book I read recently. It's called When Difficult Relatives Happen to Good People. It's by Leonard Felder, I think is his last name, F-E-L-D-E-R. It's a great question. I can hear the frustration in, in your message. Um, so if this answer doesn't help you, send me an email. I would be happy to offer you a free one or complimentary coaching session to help you to work through some strategies for how to handle Thanksgiving with mom and dad so that this year um, you're less stressed. Now, that's my gift to you. Thank you. So, you know, people who get stressed out easily are most likely to feel intense stress during the holidays. And it usually starts about uh, about just before think, um, Halloween. People will begin to feel this increased anxiety as the holidays begin to kick off. And here's what I want to say. For those people who really get stressed out in the holidays, 
you must understand that the stress is really all about you and it's not about the holidays. This is about you. It's not about the holidays. But there's really good news. You can learn to put stress in its place and take the pressure off throughout the entire year, not just the last two and a half months of the year. Stress and distress are often related to worrying about the future or fretting about the past. To find peace and joy in any season, we have to focus on the present moment. So start on it now. Do it early before any of the decorations go up, which it may already be too late. I'm always amazed at how early the Christmas decorations hit hit the store. But consider when with the holiday season, consider what is most important to you. What memories will you look back at when this season winds down and feel good about? Remember, if talking around the table provides fertile ground for any argument, try to keep a positive connection, perhaps maybe even with an activity. You know, games can keep things fun and light at family gatherings. Games are a good way to connect with each other and engage your mind and your body and your imagination. The game's up to you. doesn't matter the game. You can play the game indoors or outdoors, and they can be anything from just going for a walk or a treasure hunt or cards or charades. The key is to stay in the moment, not to worry about the past and not to fret about the future. Even if you focus on all the things we have talked about tonight, stressed out friends, in-laws, coworkers may still come a-calling. And how can you be a good friend or a good family member and keep calm? Well, it's not going to be easy, but try not to take things personally. That's one of the most important skills you can learn to reduce stress. During the holidays in particular, most people are trying to get their needs met. Maybe it's their need for love or simply for validation. Even if someone is being a jerk or insensitive, it's actually their way of trying to get their needs met. So try not to think about how people should be. Instead, accept them as they are and release the tension from your body. I'm asking you to take a look at your family from a different perspective. When you come to the family celebration and someone is being passive aggressive or someone is asking um, sort of intrusive questions or perhaps someone says something that they know is going to trigger you, If you can think that what these people are trying to do is to get some sort of a reaction that is going to meet a need for them, an acknowledgement that you heard them perhaps, or, or a validation that you care about them. If you can begin to see these behaviors as a way in which they are calling out as opposed to doing something to you, you will be amazed and how less stressful the holidays will be, and how much clearer your mind will be at sort of handling whatever it is that comes your way. I think that when we see where people are coming from, 
there can be less frustration and actually more compassion. So if you or your family don't enjoy certain functions, you know, um, it's okay to RSVP with a, support, with a polite no thank you. I mean, if you really go to an event and it's something that you and your family just dread year after year, just say we can't make it. If it puts too much pressure on your busy schedule, just give a polite no thank you. You know, I also get asked this question all the time, and this is a very deep and personal relationship question. But I have had so many people who come from a dysfunctional family will say, how will I know when I should just let go of this relationship? So my final point tonight is if the Thanksgiving holiday doesn't end up being all that you would imagine it to be, it might be time to rethink certain family relationships. You know, sometimes we spend years sacrificing our mental and emotional health in abusive relationships under the notion that we have to because these people are our family. Being ties with family members is one of the hardest decisions we may face in our life. No one really wants to, but it may be what's best for our own health. The facts are that family members are just people. Not always are they healthy people. And if these people weren't your family, you may not choose to have them in your life at all due to their poor treatment of you. So when the relationship is based on any kind of abuse, mentally, physically, sexually, verbally, emotionally, when the relationship is based in manipulation, either overt or covert, you can be sure you are being used and abused. And when you are living in constant anxiety, never knowing or being able to predict how any sort of coming together is going to turn out, it is time to love yourself enough to let go. It's the time to terminate a relationship when the only contact you have with them is negative. The contact you have with them serves to bring you down. It puts you down or it makes you feel bad about yourself or feel not good enough or that you haven't done enough for them. When the relationship creates so much stress that it affects the important areas of your life at work, home, or both, when your emotions are totally caught up in defending yourself and wanting to explain yourself and the chaos of your relationships with these people is all you talk about, it is time to let go. If you find yourself obsessed with the gossip about you and trying to write some wrong information and you are constantly being ostracized to the point you are losing sleep over it, you are becoming poisoned with their toxicity. Gossip only serves one family member to get other family members to gang up on someone else. And then you're left defenseless against the false beliefs about you being thrown your way. When the relationship is completely all about the other person and there is no real reason why 
the other person cannot make any effort towards the health and maintenance of the relationship with you. One-sided relationships are set up for failure. And when you realize that there is never going to be enough place for you to reach into that relationship, you need to let go on your own healing. When and whether the relationship is only about borrowing money or needing money, it's time to let go. When crazy-making, no-win games dominate the relationship, such as the silent treatment or blame games or no-win arguments that spin all around you, there is no point in continuing in this battle. Verbal warfare is never the place where you will conceive them of anything. And these kinds of verbal interactions are set up to be their way or the highway. If these are the negative consequences you receive each time this person or these people come around you, it is time to let go. Looking in the mirror of relationships to see your true self can be scary. You may see behaviors that are not serving you well. Once you are aware of these behaviors, then there is this really big question that you have to ask yourself. What are you going to do about it? That's where a coach can come in and a coach can help you to sort of sort out what it is you want in life, what it is you really want from the relationships in your life, and help you to devise a way to either cope with the situation or a way for you to leave the relationships. Because leaving the relationship is not always the right answer. So getting really clear about what you want, what you want your life to look like, and then creating a plan and a strategy to get there is something that a life coach can really help you with. If you're struggling with this, I would really love to partner with you to help you get through this relationship challenge that you might have with a spouse, children, mom, dad, siblings, maybe some very close friends, um, or even situations like this at work. It's a heavy topic, so I am going to end the show with a corny joke. We have just a couple of minutes left. If you could in your mind, imagine two boys at a Thanksgiving dinner, and Danny says, why did the cranberries turn red? And Jake says, beats me. And Danny says, because they saw the turkey dressing. Cue the laughter. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, that was a corny one. So thanks for listening tonight. Shared a lot of information. The show gets archived on my website, BrindaBairdCoaching.com. So if you want to listen to parts of it again, just hop on my website for the archive file and just look for Tim the Turkey. Again, thanks for listening. And be sure to tune in on November 22nd. That's next episode of Being a Leader, when my guest will be the author and managing partner for Locomotive Solutions, Paul Schwan. Paul and I are going to discuss the top five barriers to great leadership for females, a very specific topic about female leadership. Together, we're going to share the hidden perspectives about female leadership from both the male and the female point of view. So it is going to should be a really great show. So with that, uh, I think that's a wrap, Tommy. And until next time, be safe and have fun. Bye, everybody.